0: Welcome to Weed Week. This is our very first episode. We're very excited to be here. I'm Haley Fox. I'm a reporter covering the marijuana industry in Los Angeles.
1: I'm Alex Halpern. I'm also a reporter covering the marijuana industry in Los Angeles.
0: And Alex loves the industry so much, he actually moved out here just to cover it.
1: It's true. All right. So normally we're going to have guests on the show, but for this episode, it's, it's a little different. This is a sort of a big confusing and somewhat unwieldy story and and we're going to try and catch everyone up to speed on it.
0: Whether you smoke weed or not, it's becoming legalized. It's going to change your life on some level and there's a ton of misinformation out there about it and we all want to get on the same page. So I think first off, Alex, can you kind of tell us, I've even lost track, what is the latest tally of what states allow it and, you know, give us the rundown.
1: Okay, so I think there are 30 states where where medical cannabis is legal. In most of those states, they're sort of just beginning to get started with it. And it's it's not really available. So it doesn't quite matter, but it's, a, it's about 29 or 30. And then in eight states, recreational is legal. And that could very quickly jump up to about 11 with Vermont, New Hampshire, and New Jersey.
0: And we should note know- We're going to use recreational a lot because, let's be honest, that's what it is. Um, A lot of people in the industry call it adult use. That's its technical name, but we'll probably stick to recreational. So let's take a step back for a minute. We're all adults. We probably know what we're talking about. But Alex, why don't you give us the 30-second rundown of what weed is?
1: Okay, so weed is a plant. It's indigenous to... Asia, sort of East and Central Asia. And it's been around for, you know, since antiquity. There are burial sites and things like that where they've turned it up from about 3,000 years ago in in China. But it, it very quickly sort of spread across Eurasia. So it was in the Middle East by the beginning of Islam, if not the beginning of Christianity. You know, it traveled with Spanish explorers to the Americas in the 1500s. And yeah, you know, pretty much everywhere it's gone, people have known it as a plant that it gets people high. But they've also considered it to have medical value and sort of industrial value as cloth and fuel. And those are the kinds of things that like hippies in college towns in the '90s would talk about, like, "Oh man, you can make rope out of it." <laughs> and that didn't really, that wasn't so convincing. But but it's true, you can make rope out of it. You know, it's evidently a very chemically robust plant. But for right now, you really only have to worry about two chemicals and they are THC and and CBD.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about these two things because they're both highly technical, but we're going to bring it down as I understand it, at least. So there's THC, which is the basically psychoactive element, the one that makes you high. It's also the one that can make you totally freak out if you take too much of it. And that's what gets people in trouble in edibles. So when you eat a brownie or a few too many gummy bears, normally it's the high potency or high amounts of THC in that that will really get you in trouble. Um, In fact, in California, they've limited how much THC can be in recreational edibles for this reason. Um the other part of it is CBD. So THC, CBD. CBD is easy to think about. More is just kind of a painkiller. Um, it often is, comes along with THC in a lot of marijuana products, but it also can be isolated and used in things like lotions or bars of chocolate that you can actually buy at your local grocery store. So it's also kind of become the thing that's used in a lot of cannabis cooking, cocktails, stuff like that. So basically, if you don't want to feel high, but you want to feel some of the therapeutic aspects of marijuana, CBD is going to be your jam. Alex, you kind of are the history buff here. Give us a little bit of rundown on how we got here, on the precipice of what people hope might be legalization. Um, What, you know, what's come before us, I guess.
1: Okay, so in the uh, 30s, it became illegal in this country. And, you know, that didn't stop people from using it. The, you know, the beatniks used it and the hippies used it. And, you know, whoever they were in the 70s used it. But what happened is that, where where sort of the modern history of it begins is that in the 80s, the first lady, Nancy Reagan, decided to make Just Say No to drugs her signature issue. As a result, Just Say No became the standard default position for not just marijuana, but for all illegal drugs.
0: In which a lot of people can probably remember from their D.A.R.E. classes growing up in elementary school. I don't know if, You guys had to take them, but that was basically the motto of. I definitely took it. Just say no to everything. So it's a full circle now that we're saying just say yes to learning about weed. But okay, so we had the just say no era, all sorts of you know fallout from that. Um, Then there's been these waves of legalization, right? So talk a little bit about that.
1: You know, the the just say no was sort of the default position in the country well well into the 90s. And promoted during the, during the Clinton ad- administration as well as, you know, a totally unacceptable form of activity. But at the same time, it began to, to recede as um, there became more interest in its health value and also disgust with more black and brown people being locked up. So, so it's federally legal, but, but legal in lots of different states. So what exactly is going on?
0: Yeah. So it's this weird push pull because the federal government says no. But up until recently, they took a hands off approach to it, which basically um, just earlier this month, in fact, Attorney General Jeff Sessions um, rescinded something called the Cole Memo, which basically dictated marijuana culture um, for quite of the last few years. And what that said was that the federal government was going to let the states do their thing as long as it didn't cross state lines or, um, you know, reach a certain threshold that states would be allowed to regulate their own marijuana industries. But as of um, earlier this month, Attorney General Jeff Sessions rescinded that memo, basically opening up a lot of questions for everybody. So, Alex, tell me a little bit about how did this whole thing get started? How, what was the first state to even legalize recreational? And kind of where have we gone since then?
1: Colorado and Washington voted both voted to legalize in, in 2012. And over the next year, they were starting to put together what you'd call like the world's first modern marijuana industries. That's when people start thinking that, wow, you know, we're going to make a lot of money on this. And that's sort of still what people are thinking. You, you know, people have heard about Amsterdam, where you can go into a coffee shop and, and buy a joint. But in, in Colorado, they created a system where where it's all tracked, where all of the plants are tagged with RFID tags. And they're, and then once they're harvested, they can go to edibles factories and the tags accompany the edibles through the factory as they're baking the cookies or, or making gummy bears or, or whatever. And the they reach with them to the store so that the state knows where all the product is and it enables them to see if companies are leaking product illegally onto the black market and to make sure they're they're paying their taxes essentially it created a modern business climate at the same time marijuana's legal situation remains endlessly bizarre so that companies have to pay far more taxes than companies in, in mainstream industries and companies can't access bank accounts. So it it becomes very hard to operate a marijuana business and somebody's making money at it, but it's hard to tell who is making money at it so far, largely because of these obstacles that, that companies have to deal with. But what, what enabled all of this to happen was the Cole memo. It told people that you're probably not going to be arrested and thrown in prison for working in a state legal marijuana industry. And now that's all in jeopardy. But what another thing this is allowed is for sort of a whole new cannabis culture to, to flourish because, you know, it's created a, a legal marketplace. And I mean, how is it different from like when I was in school?
0: Uh, I think it's probably a lot different than when we were in school and a lot, lot different than when some of our listeners were in school. But basically now you've created this culture. Our listeners
1: aren't that old.
0: I mean, and and <laughs> uh, I mean, a few of you listening, hopefully, we're hoping for a diverse audience, you yes, know? no, absolutely.
1: We, we welcome <laughs> listeners of all ages.
0: But I mean, basically what's happened is it's created this culture of different extremes, much like, you know, now you can get any sort of television show you want because of the multitudes of streaming options. You know, there's niches for everything. There's niches for weed culture. So you have people who've really pushed the wellness aspects. I mean, weed has been used now um, as a dietary tool. There's been gyms opened around it. There's marathons or not quite marathons, but races organized around it. So there's a burgeoning culture of wellness. And then on the other side, you have stuff like dabbing, which really is just about getting as high as you possibly can. So people have really learned how to pick apart marijuana and use the portions of it that they want to get their desired results. So what this creates is this really kind of... Haley,
1: what's dabbing?
0: <sighs> dabbing. Um, oh my God, you know what? like I'm trying to think of how to describe dabbing because the easiest way to describe it is taking a shot of a red bull I don't know it's like the most concentrated version of THC or cannabis you can get I mean Alex I, how would you describe it
1: No I think I think that that's about right it's like taking very very concentrated forms of cannabis which um you know, can be, say, 90% THC. So it has a a strong effect, and, and it's sort of inhaled through a thing that looks like a bong, but is called a dab rig.
0: So we're not sure how many dab listeners, dabbing listeners we have. But you kind of get an idea of the huge spectrum that this industry has turned into. It's very diverse. So California has just legalized adult use or recreational, as we're going to call it. It's about to jumpstart its own big industry in California. Alex, tell us a little bit about what this means for our friends and listeners in California and their access to weed.
1: I mean, Weed hasn't been that hard to come by in California for for quite some time, is my impression. But now, you know, you can have, you know, cities can license shops and and grows and sort of edibles factories so that weed is going to become much more ubiquitous in California. And more of it is going to be bought on the legal as opposed to the the gray market.
0: Hopefully. Hopefully. That well that, that's right. what they're hoping. That,
1: that's what they're hoping, so that they can so that they can generate taxes. But it's still pretty confusing. For example, California is such a big market and the, the track and trace system like I talked about in Colorado isn't yet up. So there are all sorts of issues as they try and create a single viable marketplace in this this big complex state.
0: Obviously it varies based on what Uh, Like Alex said, what city or county you're in, some places have straight up bans on it, so you are out of luck. Sorry, you're going to have to go to a neighboring city or county. But basically, if you want to buy recreational marijuana in California, all you have to do is be 21 or over. You bring your ID or your passport to your local dispensary. Um, you'll have to look, some dispensaries will be selling both medical and recreational. That's still up for debate too, but you find your dispensary, you bring your ID, you buy the stuff. And, um, the only thing, you know, you should expect is some steep taxes that also varies based on city to County, but marijuana is a ultimate luxury basically as the state of California has determined. So you're going to be prepared to pay taxes on that.
1: And you still can't, there's still no place to smoke it in public. There are no lounges or sort of coffee shops or or whatever you want to call them, which is sort of a hassle for tourists.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's a good point is, you know, this new law makes it okay for you to buy it and okay for you to have it and even okay for you to grow it at home, but it doesn't make it that much easier. You can't be hanging out on the sidewalk smoking it. Um, and actually, you know, Smoking in your car is another issue that um, California law enforcement is still figuring out, but obviously you're still not allowed to drive while high. So the actual freedoms you get with it, um, you know, might not be quite as what people were expecting.
1: This is the the new frontier in the sense that people have been, been waiting for this for, for a long time and now it's on and the game is on and there's... Money, well, there's a lot of money to be made, and there's presumably fun to be had. And here we go.
0: Yeah. I mean, in addition to all the fun stuff and money stuff, we should mention that really what this podcast is going to be about are the bigger issues that impact the industry and that impact you. So, you know, from politics to social justice to, Um, food and nightlife and economy. I mean, it really impacts every aspect of your life. And I think for both of us, those are all what make it so uh, interesting and dynamic as an industry. Um, And one of the biggest things we are going to talk about, too, is this um, criminal justice aspect, which is for decades and decades, minority communities have been um, unfairly persecuted by law enforcement uh, more so than their white counterparts. And this is a time of reckoning now, not only for California, but for the rest of the country to really kind of address that ugly part of the history and try and move forward and make amends on certain ways. So, you know, we're going to have a lot of fun on this podcast. We're going to talk about the serious issues, too. And we're very excited to hear from all you.
1: I mean, right now, while while minority communities have been persecuted, almost all cannabis business owners are, are white. And so they're the ones profiting off it. And there's a question of who, who is going to benefit from this economic opportunity.
0: OK, so hopefully we caught you up to speed a little bit. If you're still confused, don't worry. We are too on a lot of these things. It's a very quickly growing industry. We're going to get into that um, much more as this podcast goes on. Um, please do send us your questions. We want to hear what you want to know.
1: So we send, send all your feedback to hello at weedweek.net. And on the other episode, which dropped today, we have an interview with historian Emily Dufton, and she talks, it's a really interesting conversation. She talks about how jimmy carter almost legalized marijuana which is now largely forgotten i didn't really know about and how sort of we we got to where we are now
0: please go on itunes and subscribe to us give us five stars send us your feedback send our link to a friend we're just starting out and so this is extra extra important and we really appreciate it um i'm Haley fox you can find me on twitter at epfox,
1: and you can find me at alex Halpern on twitter
0: Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Bye.